This is Brian Lincoln, producer of Hidden Harbor Mysteries. I have one last interview here to release before the first episode drops. That is the actor Laura Nicole, who played Cat Sparrow in the series. It was something of a last-minute decision to try to throw some interviews in the feed, uh, as I've done, so not everyone was able to be lined up, and I wanted to point out the others that I have not interviewed here in the beginning of this podcast feed so that they can also get their hard work out there for you guys to discover. Playing a few small roles in the series is Chris Lester. He has a podcast called Metamore City that you guys should check out over at metamorecity.com. It was probably the first example of a full cast audio that I heard, and one of the chief reasons that I got into this kind of a medium, producing audio. So having Chris in the cast was pretty special for me. Also, Rish Outfield, who played quite a variety of very important characters in the show, including Michael in episode one that you'll hear. Rish is just a tremendous talent and one of the first voice talents I ever worked with. He has a show called the Steve Audio Fiction Magazine that he does with Big Anklevich, and the two of them are just tremendous, and I love their show, I love what these guys do. So if you're interested in hearing a bunch of short fiction, mostly done, or actually with these guys, it's all done with a full cast, uh, you'll really enjoy Steve. Go check them out over at dunesteve.com. Alex White also was an ensemble actor. He plays Green Street, which you'll hear in, I think it's episode three, uh, one of my favorite characters in the whole show. Alex is tremendously talented. He has a show that he produced, an audiobook that he produced called The Gear Heart. He, he also has one of my favorite podcasts to listen to called Disaster Peace Theatry. It's sort of a Hollywood pitch meeting of movie ideas meant to be pitching the worst movie ideas you could have. And him and Stephen Grenade uh, co-host this show. It's one of my favorite shows out there. It's just so fun. I get a kick out of every single one of them. Uh, I recommend you check it out. John Scott Ballantyne. He's from Campfire Radio Theater. He's one of the best examples of good audio drama that you'll find out there. Campfire Radio Theater, they like to do short horror-type stories. They're tremendously well-written and very well-produced, so so I highly recommend you check out what they have over there at Campfire Radio Theater. It's really good stuff. And finally, Renee Chambliss, also an ensemble actor. She played the young kid Bruce in episode one, uh, but she plays a variety of characters throughout the show. She has a novel that she narrated called Dreaming of Deliverance. You can find that over at patiobooks.com, but you also can find a whole bunch of stuff that Renee has narrated over at audible.com if you search for her name, Renee Chambliss. She's a tremendous voice talent, uh, and it's an honor to work with her as well. So that's it. That's just a, a number of shows. I'll link them I'll link them in the feed that I have over at lincolnaudio.com. Now, our main website for this show is at hiddenharbormysteries.com. I actually generate the feed of the episodes uh, within lincolnaudio.com, and then Jay Smith, who's the writer for the show, he runs the hiddenharbormysteries.com site, and he'll also post stuff over there after it comes out. But in terms of show notes for the uh, interview segments, you'll have to go over to check out lincolnaudio.com. You'll find you'll find some links underneath each of the uh, episodes that I post on that feed. If you go to hiddenharbormysteries.com and go under the cast and crew page, you'll also find that underneath each person's picture, there'll be a link 
that you can click that will bring you to their stuff as well. I, I do want to encourage people to check out the hard work of all these people. The, the actors working on the show did so for free. I produced it for free. This is a Creative Commons project. It's a show that's meant to entertain. I'm eternally grateful for all the volunteer work that people have given to be able to put this show together with this kind of talent for nothing is pretty incredible. Uh, so it's really important to me that people who have given their time to this show are in some way given a chance to be revealed to the audience so you can find their other stuff, check them out. There's just so much great fiction content out there, and it's been a pleasure to work with some of the best. I'm here with Laura Nicole, who played Cat Sparrow, who I guess, what would you call her, the, the sidekick or the... Yeah, she's kind of like, um, she's kind of like Xena's Gabrielle. Yeah. Um, not so much plucky, because she's definitely more streetwise, but um, definitely has that crucial balance for, um, for the femme phantom. So it was kind of cool to be able to be that kind of support for for the care for the main character um and it took a lot of pressure off me because i wasn't actually the main character (laughs) (laughs) yeah so the first question i'm asking everyone that i'm interviewing like this is did you have fun playing the role oh absolutely i feel i feel like uh, jay kind of wrote it for me which was fun Mm -hmm. um there were a lot of things where it's just like yeah, okay, I could totally see myself doing that, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you had you had a, you know, in terms of what you were asked to do was was, was up there. You're, you had to cry a bit and scream, and uh, so it was, a, it was definitely not a simple character that you chose. No, um, the character itself um, is very 3D as far as characters go, and and Jay does a good job of that with all of his characters that he tries to um, make sure that they're an integral part of the plot, that they're not just one-sided. And so with Kat, you see a big range of emotions. And I remember having conversations with you and with Jay about her relationship toward Barbara because it's kind of ambiguous. It's a little more than just employer employee, but it's not quite something more uh, intense, but very family like. So that was a difficult balance. And uh, I think the hardest thing other than keeping my dogs from reacting to me screaming, (laughs) which was hilarious. um, Yeah. What was just making sure that I didn't over or underperform what the scene needed. Yeah, which is always a challenge with the satellite recording style because you don't necessarily know. I mean, you might talk to the a couple of actors about their their plan or whatever, but unless you all get on Skype and record together, which is really tough to even organize, especially with every scene being a different mix of people, um, you're yeah. pretty much giving me a few different takes in anticipation of how the other person might 
the acting in terms of level of intensity. So it's a bit yeah. of a, a challenge in that regard. That's that's part of the challenge of putting the show together is making sure that it, it all fits together and sounds like everyone was actually talking to each other. Yeah, absolutely. One of the great things, though, about working with Veronica Jaguer is um, she's very approachable. And I've known her for a couple of years and yeah. we've been dancing around doing a part together. So when I started recording for Kat, I pinged her on Twitter and said, hey, I kind of need your help because I'm not sure how to do this scene. And this is a scene where it's very much between you and I. Yeah. Um, and what's lost is that there is, uh, we recorded our interaction um, saying everybody's lines, which um, ended up just being a big old giggle fest. But <laughs> it also helped build a real rapport between um, Barbara and Kat, which was uh, something that I think um, in in the scenes that I've heard so far of the show uh, really plays itself out. Um, she and I were, I was hearing her when I was reading her lines off the page mm -hmm. um, to react to. Uh, so it was good to have that kind of bonding moment with her. And I don't think a lot of voice actors get that even on a high paid professional scale, it's not something that you, you usually get. The back and forth is not always um, organic. Right. Right. So um, it, it's, it was a great experience to work with her in that capacity so that I could be prepared for my satellite performance. Yeah. And you've acted in quite a, th quite a number of things by now. I mean, we knew you before from HG world, of course. Yep. And I've been, Oh God, I've been acting since, <laughs> um, I think 2005 is when I first did my first, uh, satellite audio performance. Mm -hmm. Um, I did a promo for, uh, a game called morning's wrath, uh, where I was the, uh, a princess who had just lost everything and is trying to save her kingdom. And then I went on to do some bit parts for Broken Sea Audio, and it kind of spiraled from there, and everybody wanted my English accent, <laughs> right. which, which is like, okay. Um, so this was the first real big part that I was able to use my natural voice for. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. So I I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah, you had to use the English one in, in HG World, of course. Yes, um, I had a Manchester with a slight Hindi um, accent, uh, thanks, Abe Cody, for training me on that. Because <laughs> um, it's hard when you've got both an accent and you've got a type of ethnicity that you have to bring into it as well. Yeah. And a shout out to Abe, who is actually in the cast. He plays Michael's father in one scene. Yeah. We needed someone that could, could pull off the acting ability opposite Rish for that scene. And oh, my goodness. It's a pretty easy choice. He He's always an easy choice when it comes to who do we who do we need for a very refined accent or a very gruff Scottish accent, depending on the show. Right, right. So you you also have, I see that you have a uh, video series called Gypsy in the Attic. So Gypsy in the Attic is both a video and audio series. It started off as my New Year's resolution for the year, that every time that I would go into the attic um, to record, thus Gypsy in the Attic, I would also do a short, kind of like an audio diary of me, uh, of what I experienced through recording or what trials I'm facing, because mm -hmm. I was doing a, my first audiobook um, 
at that time. And then it got to, well, I'm just talking about my experiences. I should really talk about, talk to other voice actors or other producers and find out more about their process and share that with people because I didn't see a show out like that out there. And so the easiest way for me to do the recordings was to use um, Google Hangouts. And that just added a, a depth to it because a lot of times you don't get to see the faces behind the voices that you know. Right, right. Um, so you got to actually see Veronica Jaguer and Starla Hutchin and PC Herring. Um, I just finished one with Scott Sigler mm -hmm. uh, last week. And it was really cool to... Um, it's been really cool to bring that to the world. <laughs> I don't mm -hmm. think the world's mm -hmm. watching it yet, but maybe. And I hope to keep doing it because this is what I love and I love sharing information. And those conversations that you have, are they primarily about voice acting or is it a more broad? Mostly it's about voice acting. Um, we talk about different methods, different resources, different promotional tactics, um, different programs that you use to get better. It's kind of like an, a continuous improvement methodology. From there, uh, I get a little silly after we get all the, the meat and potatoes out of the way. Um, <laughs> I've asked several times if you could choose any, any voice actor to read some of your work and record some of your work, who would you choose? Mm -hmm. um, so far, like I've got a whole bunch of one-offs. And then I've got Nathan Lowell and Patrick McLean. <laughs> so, um, and they, they both have multiples of, mm -hmm. um, uh, multiple votes. Mm -hmm. So we'll see, we'll see what we can get. Do people usually pick names from within our community or do they pick like Hollywood names? It's kind of a toss up. It depends on who you ask. Like mm -hmm. if I ask some people that are just barely getting into publishing, they choose from within their, from within the new media group because a, because this is what they've experienced the most and B because this is the group that's supported them the most. Yeah. Um, when you get to some people who think big and who publish big, um, their minds are broadened. And so they think of, well, the sky's the limit. Who could I have? Yeah, um, yeah. I think Helen Mirren is the one that I was like, Oh yeah, I would have her read anything of mine. <laughs> I think mine, mine, not that you asked me, but mine would be Nick Podell, who did the audiobook for The Name of the Wind. Well, damn it. Now I can't interview you because you've already asked the question. <laughs> well, it'd be a no. no. But I'd that totally guy is, anyway. that guy is, uh, that guy is just tremendous because he just does so many voices. And I, I just think that when you get to the real pro, I mean, audiobook narration is different from obviously audio drama voice acting. Yeah. Because you have to be able to jump between hundreds of different, I mean, a book like that. Book two, which I, th I think was incredible, um, it's called A Wise Man's Fear, was 43 hours long. Yeah. With hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of characters. And you every time you switched over, you knew who it was. And I don't even, I, I feel like I could live a thousand years and never be able to do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, another good one is Jim Rose. And mm -hmm. he did the Harry Potter series. He mm -hmm. did the entire Harry Potter series. And he, I think he said he did 200 something voices mm -hmm. for, um, for that series. And a lot of young voices too. That's gotta be hard. A lot of young voices. And he didn't 
fake the uh, the female voices. He just had a, a slight method of making it sound a little bit feminine mm-hmm, as opposed mm-hmm. to doing um, things that I really hate it when men do, which is high pitch their voices and going into yeah. a falsetto. Yeah, I've heard I've heard the better technique is to try to go a little bit softer without it being like extremely different. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and just like for women, when I do a, a man's voice in, in my own stuff, it's not so much I'm going into this deep baritone and the lower tones of my voice, but yeah, I'm going yeah. into more of a, a gruff, um, edgier type of tone with yeah. the words that I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just amazing how the different styles of audio storytelling require a totally different skill set. Like, like I said, the audiobooks, you need all different kinds of accents and voices. And if you're doing mm-hmm. audio drama, you have to be able to, to, you know, read different takes of lines anticipating what the other person might be saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you need to have that kind of creative imagination of different ways the scene could go. I mean, I have yeah. a lot of voice actors in the past because, I, I mean, I've between doing Dune Steve and Drabblecast and all these other um, short fiction podcasts I've done, I've been able to try out and work with a lot of different potential voice talent. And probably the biggest mistake that people make is I ask them for three takes and they just give me three identical takes. Or sometimes they'll even give me three takes where the first two had mistakes in them and they finally got the third one. You know what I mean? And and the whole point is to give a little bit of variety. You know what I mean? Do one where you're just really extremely into it and another one where you're kind of being sarcastic or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, just be creative with it. Absolutely. Um, And I've where I've produced audio as well, I definitely get that. Yeah, Um, yeah. And and sometimes you get little gems out of that because sometimes you'll have written something that's a little hard to say or or it just doesn't sound right in that character's voice. And you know you have a good voice actor when they do it the way it's written. And then they say, okay, so that's how it's written. Here's how I think it would sound better. And they give that take. And uh, 50-50 shot, it's probably going to be the one that you're going to take because it sounds more natural to the character. Yeah. Um, And so some of the voice actors that I got to use in the various shows that I've produced gave me those little tidbits that were just right and just made that line so much better. Yeah, when I line select, uh, yeah, that's exactly right. If somebody does a couple slightly different versions of the same line, I'm going to take the one that fits the scene the best. Like if they change it so much that it it loses something that had to be there, it's not usable. But Mm -hmm. if they change the wording a little bit and it just sounds like the character more, then that's the one I'm picking. It's not about being verbatim. It's about telling a story. Exactly. So... Yeah, so, I miss doing that. <laughs> <laughs> it just takes so freaking long. Oh, it's a lot of work for sure. I mean, yeah. I'm I'm more on the producer end than the voice acting end. I I do voice here and there for things, but but I just enjoy the art form. That's why I put all the time into it. That's my art form. And other people, it's more about the writing. Other people, it's more about voicing characters. That that's really their bread and butter or their their prime motivation to getting into all this stuff. But for me. It's the production itself is is my main form of self entertainment, I guess. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So last last thing I want to ask you uh, is, do you have any advice since you've been you know doing this show where you talk to different people about the techniques of voice acting and what you've learned? What is a piece of advice you have for somebody starting out as a voice actor? Don't be 
afraid to audition for things that seem outside of your comfort zone or outside of your outside of your voice range. I it took me a little bit to get comfortable enough with recording that I could go for parts that were a little more difficult or a little edgier. Like I had the girl next door thing going on for so long that I really wanted to do something else. Mm -hmm. So it took a couple years for me to find this one villain part. And I had to really reach deep inside myself to get that villain part because she had to do some kind of awful things. But then my favorite character to date that I've played, uh, which is Steelwing from Broken Sea Audio's uh, feedback series. She's a, a supervillain and she has this great evil laugh and uh, and I love playing that character. <laughs> or I should say I loved playing that character. The show is no longer running that arc, which mm-hmm. is sad. But it's uh, I really enjoyed being that evil and because I was finally able to break through, I've been able to go on to do Um, shows like The Oz Job, which is a very gritty version of The Wizard of Oz. And it is not safe for work (laughs) at all. But um, it is, it was probably the most dirty thing I've done before I started working for Nobilis Reed as well. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) So it's worth the risk because you end up getting such really good uh, parts that fulfill maybe the darker side of you or the lighter side of you conversely. Yeah. Part of voice acting is being able to play different characters. It's not putting yourself into the story. Like, like if I ever have a voice actor say, well, I wouldn't say that. It's like, well, it's not you. (laughs) Exactly. It's not you. It's the character. Yeah, exactly. I don't run into that too often, but I've definitely met some people that kind of gave me the vibe that they felt that way. Mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah, it's, and the people with range, you can tell that they'll they'll do anything. <laughs> <laughs> Careful what you wish for. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. Thanks a lot for coming on. Well, thank you. And if anybody else wants to catch the rest of my stuff, you can find my show and any other little tidbits on gypsylaura.com. Awesome. Thanks a lot. Thanks for your time. Enjoy the show. All right, that was Laura Nicole. Once again, thank you very much, everyone, for listening to the feed. Uh, Next up is episode one. Please enjoy the show. Let us know what you think. Go to iTunes and uh, post a review if you think of it. And as I said, check out other stuff by this wonderful cast. Take care and thank you for listening. Hidden Harbor Mysteries is released under a Creative Commons Attribution No Derivatives 4.0 license. Check out the website, as I said, and you can also look for more of my productions at lincolnaudio.com. Music